Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, I'm Andy Levy, former Fox News and CNN HLN guy and current cable news conscientious objector. I'm a former libertarian who now sits comfortably on the left. Hi, I'm Danielle Moody, former educator and recovering lobbyist. But today I'm an unapologetic woke commentator on America's threats to democracy. And I'm producer Jesse Cannon, and I'm here to make sure things don't go too far off the rails. We're here to have fun, smart conversations with some of the most knowledgeable and entertaining people in politics, media, and beyond. Our goal is to try and make sense of our current crazy world, our new abnormal, and hopefully even make you laugh through the tears. Hello and welcome to another special bonus edition of the new abnormal. We thank you so much for being here. Today we have an extra special guest with Amanda Littman from Run For Something. And she's going to tell us all about how they're doing smaller races to counter Moms for Liberty's moves to take over school boards and all the important work they're doing around this. But first, let's have some fun. Are you guys ready to listen to some clips? Clips. Clip us. (laughs) So people often talk about how a European accent can hide the fact that when you say something very dumb, it gets lost in the accent because people think it's fancy. And while there's a lot of reasons to think that's stupid and probably some white supremacist shit... I have found a clip that should be in the Wikipedia entry for this phenomenon. Here we have Indiana Congresswoman Victoria Spatz going Karen on Merrick Garland at the oversight hearing this week. Example, we talk about January 6th people. Sorry? Here, some people came on January 6th. There probably were some people that came on January 6th here, you know, that had bad intent. But a lot of good Americans from my district came here because they are sick and tired of this government not serving them. They came with strollers and the kids, and there was chaotic situation because the proper security wasn't provided. That's a question that was answered really why. Why we debated for 45 minutes on the floor and didn't stop the debate after the people broke in into the Capitol. But these people came, they were throwing the smoke bombs into the crowd with strollers with kids. People were showed up, you know, FBI agents, You had in my district, in my town, FBI phone numbers all over the district. Please call. Call that. People are truly afraid. I just want to make sure if you're not aware that you are. And this is a big problem when people are afraid of their own government. And I'll show you some other things. We're talking about justice system. I don't question. You're probably not a bad person. I don't know you. But what I'll tell you, you're in charge of the department. And people right now feel, you know, I look at Durham report and I call on the FISA violations of queries of millions of Americans, right? It's like KGB, but when I read Durham reports, we have this, you have a nice, you know, playbook. First, let's have a special counsel, and then you don't have to answer any questions here. Then, let's extend slow walk investigation on Hillary Clinton, on Hunter, everything is slow walk. We were very quick on Donald Trump, but you were very slow walk. Then, by the time, you know, that investigation ended, statute of limitation expired, and all of your agents need to be tested for amnesia. No one recalls anything. Okay, you probably should have as part of your hiring policy. So no one held a 
carnival, which was egregious what happened, you know, in that report. When I read about them, I can't believe it happened in the United States of America. This is my frustration. I'll be honest with you. Then it's very interesting, you know, regardless what it is, even people in Obama administration <laughs> raise concerns. So first of all, you hate us. Like that is <laughs> the, like... The pitch, I can't. And this is literally Karen on steroids. It was hard to digest, as I'm sure Merrick Garland felt the same way. And Merrick Garland slow walked every fucking thing. It's why we're here right now. Had he actually moved with uh, some haste, we wouldn't be coming up against an election with the fucking insurrectionists at the top of the ticket. Oh, boy. Yeah, that was a speech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was supposed to be a question, but I didn't really hear one there. <laughs> That's kind of how these hearings go these days. Yeah. It's a little wild that she uh, was basically outing a number of her constituents as having stormed the Capitol. I hope the FBI gets right on that. Well, I have very good news for you guys. That's going to be a very happy ending on this. She's retiring from Congress and she's no. not running again. <laughs> Not Karen. That, that, I, had you guys heard of her before this? No. No. Yeah, no. I definitely not. I was like, wow, like she, she's bringing MTG energy and yet must have been outshined this whole time. Yes, everybody's auditioning <laughs> for their role on Fox News, The Apprentice 2.0. Like everybody's fucking auditioning. Nobody does their job. They just perform. Also, I didn't realize that that's what an Indiana accent sounds like. Oh, oh yes, that's that's definitely the yeah. accent. She's actually from the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And I bet she hates every, I bet she hates immigration. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. only the white countries. Anyway. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay. Well, the stupidity continues. Uh, so many of us do not have the tolerance or numbness to watch Fox News. Never mind its third-rate competitors like RSB. But this clip surfaced this week of one of their anchors interviewing a Trump supporter, and I have to say, I feel like this is uh, incredibly telling. Okay. But what is Trump? Under his policies, how did it benefit your life? Are you work? Are you retired? I mean, no, I'm disabled. I have a broken plate in my back, and uh, it really bummed me because during COVID, I was supposed to get my third surgery and have it fixed. And when the doctor, a very big specialist, went to fix it, he said, "Where's your Medicaid?" So what do you mean, where's my Medicaid? Well, they took my Medicaid, so I'm coming up here hoping. I can get my surgery done. Well, it's interesting, right? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is like when he has no answer for when people ask him about his religion. <laughs> this is the supporter version. Oh, my God. I, yeah, I don't know what to say to people anymore. Like, I hope she gets her Medicaid. Yep. I don't think voting for Donald Trump is going to help with that. Pretty sure it won't. I'm pretty sure they all have said no social safety nets. We hate poor people. <laughs> we hate everyone. So good luck, you know, but whatever. Yeah. You're voting for your demise, lady. <laughs> it's just also another of those things that you're like, ah, you know, we've really civically failed this country really badly when you think this is what electing a president is for. What is RSBN? Right Side Broadcast Network. Sure. Oh, God. <laughs> it's not the Liddell Network, though. You can't confuse it with that. Okay. Oh, God. Jesus. 
Okay, as the stupidity continues, Ron DeSantis, who's failing in the polls and really having a rough week, the entire pundit class really breathed an astonishment of just how much people don't like him. <laughs> and then now, uh, you know, Michael Wolf's book says he kicked Tucker Carlson's dog, even though I've been told that Tucker's denying this. But what puts spring in my step each day is to really see him failing like this. But he wants to cast some doubt on reality like he does. So let's listen to him do just that. Are ahead of you in the polls. Why is that? Well, I don't know that he's really that head in Iowa. I mean, I think he may be ahead, but I think it's, a, it's fluid. If you really press people... Uh, the majority of people here are still haven't made a 100% decision. I think the former president, you know, he believes he's entitled to be nominated. Um, he's not doing the work it takes to really earn people's votes. Uh, and I just view it differently. Last, he views it differently, like not reality. <laughs> you know? Maybe Trump's not doing the work because he doesn't have to. <laughs> that, that is correct. Because he's 40 <laughs> percentage points ahead in the polls and the more that DeSantis talks the less people like him <laughs> yeah and also they love Vivek right because he is he is Trump light younger and browner so they can say I'm not racist because I like yeah. him one might call it the Herbert Cade Ben Carson laid yeah I do love to see DeSantis running fourth in New Hampshire now. 29% behind Trump you know what I'd love to see mm. this actually would make me happy I'd love to see Tim Scott rise above Ron DeSantis <laughs> in the polls. Republicans, can you make that happen? <laughs> Chris Christie's beating him in New Hampshire. Yes. I, I mean, you really have to try. <laughs> New Hampshire's an outlier for Republicans, but still. Fourth? You were supposed to be the savior. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you were the great white hope. I bet Casey is not happy. <laughs> I will tell you this, too. I, I kind of feel like he was changing his voice to be a little deeper in that clip because uh, he's heard all the feedback about his whiny voice. <laughs> it is really whiny. And he didn't laugh that whole time, which is probably smart. I, I, I'm sure she's tased the laugh out of him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> all right. Well, I got one last one for you, too. Now we come to the money, honey. Maria Bartiromo. Um the Fox News Network, uh, talking to Senator Bill Hegarty. And they're discussing the most important political issue of our time, the dress code of the Senate. New thing in the Senate, that you all are okay to wear, you know, casual clothing. You don't, you no longer need a, a jacket and tie. Was that because of John Fetterman and he wants to wear and he likes to wear his hoodies? Is, and he, and is, that, is that the reason that Chuck Schumer made that change? You know, Chuck Schumer certainly didn't consult with me before he made this change. I think it's just another step in the movement by the Democrats to, quote, transform America, to take us to a different place and to take us to a place that is much less respectful than we historically have been. The United States Senate is the world's most important deliberative body. And to see it completely downgraded, no dress code now, uh, I just think it's another step in the wrong direction. Senator, thanks very much. The insurrection wasn't, though. Go ahead. What an idiot. <laughs> dress codes are stupid. <laughs> you love dress codes, Andy. You had a change of heart already yet? Once I said that, yeah. Now you, that that was a couple of days ago. That was a couple days ago. You matured? I've prayed on it. Oh, prayed on it. <laughs> no, my feelings are the same about the dress code, but this guy's a jackass. Another step in the wrong direction. <laughs> I just love that everything has to be a conspiracy now and they're they're out they're out to degrade our society. It's like 
they've just realized it's fucking stupid. I mean, when your party has people who give over-the-pants handies at yep. musicals, I don't think you should be talking about lowering the standards. Or when you have Cruella DeVille at the State of the Union with her fur collar, Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene, who was screaming at the president of the United States while he's addressing the nation and the world. Don't talk to us about fucking decorum and what is downgrading the body of Congress. Fuck those guys. <laughs> Not the right set, but yeah, you know what? Fuck those guys. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, there's something I've really been needing to get off of my chest lately, which is that everyone and their mother should listen to the Andre 3000 album because it lifts my spirits on a regular basis, 1000%. We all carry around different problems, big and small. And let's be honest, when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. That's where therapy comes in. It's like this safe space where you can unload all those burdens and start figuring out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy can make a difference. I know this from firsthand experience, and it's not just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for anyone who wants to improve their mental well-being. Therapy can help you learn coping skills. It can teach you how to set better boundaries, and it can make you be a better version of yourself. If you're considering therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, which means it's convenient, flexible, and fits into your schedule seamlessly. Plus, getting started is as easy as filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And the best part, you can switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. So why wait? Take that first step towards a happier, healthier you with BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash the new abnormal today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash the new abnormal. Folks, I am very happy to welcome to the new abnormal Amanda Lippman, who is the co-founder of Run for Something, a progressive group focused on supporting candidates in down ballot races that just announced a $10 million investment in left-leaning school and library board candidates in 2024 and 2025. Amanda, I will tell you that as a former educator, I taught first and second grade general education and special education and worked in education policy, which is how I got my start on the Hill. I have long 
talked about education being the battleground for democracy in America, that without an educated citizenry, that without critical thinking, that without history being taught, that we were consistently going to be behind and susceptible to right-wing advances. So I can't express to you enough, thank you, Thank you. Thank you for taking up this fight. But tell us about Run for Something and why this investment now. So Run for Something recruits and supports young, diverse progressives running for local office all across the country. We've been around since 2017, and we've been working on school board races and library board races and state boards of education the whole time. But what I think we've seen in the last really year to two years, with the rise of Moms for Liberty, the extraordinary focus on, at this point, thousands of book bans, the attacks coming against school board members, there was no time to waste. We needed to scale up this work dramatically. So you are quite welcome. I think this could not be more important. And I am so, so, so both excited and scared, but mostly excited about our what we're calling our 50 state school board strategy, which is our effort to recruit and support candidates for school board everywhere and anywhere education is under attack, which unfortunately right now is everywhere and anywhere. Moms for Liberty, the other fascist arm of the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, but they bake so that's the difference, (laughs) is the organization that has been behind a lot of the book bans that we have seen, a lot of the headlines that we've seen with teachers and administrators being pushed out or fired from schools, whether or not people actually live in the districts or have children in the school districts, they are the group that has been organizing in a way to take over schools. Talk to us about how you see Run for Something and the ability to to be able to combat that kind of rhetoric. But also, you know, we used to think that these were kind of, I don't know, non-dangerous <laughs> kinds mm-hmm. of jobs. But I've talked to, I've spoken to people that are on school boards. They have faced the same level of political violence and rhetoric that we see, that we've been seeing uh, at the national level. So how are you going to be able to combat that their rhetoric, but also the fears that now surround making yourself that kind of a target. You are absolutely right. It's a tactic they're trying to use to scare people out of running for these offices, out of serving their communities. And we're not going to let it work. Part of that is thinking about ways we can help candidates who are running for school board or serving on school boards secure themselves, whether that's online or in person, how we can build community across candidates, uh, how we can really make sure that people feel safe or at least feel like someone has their back as part of this. Because I think that's something we've heard from a lot of the folks we've worked with who ran for school board before, that they felt really isolated because it sucks. (laughs) As for what Moms for Liberty has been doing, it's worth really pulling apart their role here. Moms for Liberty does certainly a lot of activism showing up at school board meetings. They're doing a ton of trainings around book bans. They're giving people the raw materials to do that. They're creating lists. But they're part of a broader uh, Republican ecosystem. So while earlier this week, they just rolled out their campaign kits, which is like uh, guides for um, potential candidates on how to run for school board. They've been doing that kind of training over the last two years in partnership with the Leadership Institute, which, if you're not familiar, is like a 40 year Republican organization that has a 30 to 35 million dollar a year annual budget that does Mm. training for operatives and activists. And Leadership Institute, which is often funded by the Koch brothers or primarily funded, just opened a 6,000 square foot headquarters for educational Mm -mm. activists in Sarasota, Florida. 
You know, a way to know that something is not a flash in the pan or a fad? Real estate. They are in this for <laughs> yeah. the long haul. They are not backing down from this. So what Run for Something is going to be doing is making sure that we are there to recruit and support the candidates running against these folks. There's incredible organizations across the left from teachers to ed reform to red, wine and blue to literary freedom organizations to grassroots groups who are all taking on really important parts of this fight. But we saw a hole when it came to candidate recruitment and support. So we are going all in to fill it. Talk to us about what kind of candidates you are looking for, because tons of people listen to this show and they will say to themselves, well, I don't have kids that are in the school district. But I'm like, do you care about books? Do you care about providing a robust education? Are you an employer and are hoping that you have employees that are going to be coming in with critical thought and skills that that can be applied? So talk to us about the kinds of people that you are looking for and also just the training that you really provide for folks that are interested. So let's take a step back for a second. There are 80,000 school board races across the country. On any given year, there's between 20 and 25,000 of them happening. Only about half of those happen in November. The other half happen at any other point in the calendar year. So there are always school board races happening, (laughs) and there are way more of them than you'd think. And the final point here, 60% of them on any given year go uncontested. In Virginia, right now, where there's critical elections where Glenn Youngkin has made education a key part of his campaign, 56%, I believe, of school board races are going uncontested. There's at least nine districts in Virginia that haven't had a competitive school board race since the year 2000. So if you are a not crazy person who's thinking about running <laughs> school Yes, it is definitely better if you've got a kid in school or some kind of personal relationship with the education system. It's definitely better if you have some kind of mind for massive operations or a a passion for literacy or arts. But if you're not crazy (laughs) and you want to do this, your community probably needs you because no one else is stepping up. What Run for Something does is help you figure out how to go from person who cares to person who runs to person who leads. So we'll help you figure out how to get on the ballot. We've got guides on how to do so in all 50 states. We'll help Mm. you figure out how to write a campaign plan, how to write a budget, how to identify your win number, how to get access to the voter file and what to do with the voter file once you have it. You can apply for our endorsement where our staff will work closely with you uh, to make sure you have every possible resource you need. We'll connect you to other school board candidates running for office. We're especially putting together some resources as part of our 50 state program for people who do have kids or are otherwise caregivers, because we know that's something that in particular, people who care about schools that often gets in the way uh, or is an obstacle to entering the race. They have just like responsibilities to their families. We're also linking about how we can make sure that we've got the compliance set up for these school board races. You know, I didn't know this until we started doing this work. In order to work on a school board race in Manchester, New Hampshire, we had to set up a Manchester, New Hampshire city pack, which is the kind of compliance infrastructure you wouldn't really think about until you started to engage. But we're doing that so that we can help people in all the ways possible. And then we're with you all the way through to after election day. So if you win, 
We'll help you figure out how to govern. And if you lose, we'll help you figure out what to do next. I love this because I can't express now more than ever that I believe that Republicans have overplayed their hand. Mm -hmm. And I think that they have shown in so many ways on so many issues that they are not a tolerant group. They are not a group that looks to collaborate and live comfortably alongside other people. They are looking to suppress, to oppress, to silence and restrict. And that's not what it means to live inside of a democracy. And I think that when we look at our schools, people think like that it's just about history. It's not. It's about how are we preparing the next generation to actually have the wherewithal to lead? And mm-hmm. I think, you know, you you tell me, Amanda, because I think that the ways that we are seeing these restrictions play out is that they want a docile right? A docile constituency that doesn't know any better, that has no tools and no concept of how to fight against, right, oppression. And so like, you know, tell me like, what, what is, what is the thing that really got you and your organization to, to say, no, we need this now and $10 million is the price tag that we're going to put on it. I think politically, we see that there's so much engagement around school board races. Um, Ralph Reed, who's the leader of the moral majority, said back in 1996, I would rather have a thousand school board members than one president and no school board members. They have been understanding this for decades, that if you mm-hmm. control how kids are learning and the kinds of communities they're learning in, you can control the kinds of grownups they grow up to be, the kind of citizens they grow up to be, and the kind of voters they grow up to be. So we're thinking about this in a political sense. It's really important what kids are learning in schools, sort of abstracted out from what kids are actually learning in schools and the experience they're having. The book bans in particular are infuriating. And I think Mm -hmm. the push around publishers and libraries to raise awareness and to tackle it head on is really good. But you know who decides whether or not a book is banned? A school board member. So for us, this was the most obvious place to be able to fight back on that. And personally, like I became a parent this year. I think about mm. the kind of school she's going to go to when she's bigger, how important it is to me that she grows up going to good public schools that keep her safe and have her free to learn and read and be whoever she wants to be. I'm not fucking around here. We're going to make sure that <laughs> yes. good and that these people leading them are compassionate and empathetic and not Nazis. And all of that is really important. <laughs> And I know that you say like you're quoting moral majority from back in the 90s. And this is something that we have known that has been on the forefront of the Republican Party's mind since Brown versus the Board of Education. Mm -hmm. Right. And so why do you think that Democrats have allowed this to kind of exist under the radar. It is true from abortion to education that the way that the Republican Party has been able to make so many inroads is that they've literally left no village, no town, no city, no locality behind. Mm -hmm. And yet for so long, for way too long, Democrats had only been focused on the executive branch, had only been focused on the presidency and the election every four years. Why do you think that is? Democrats love the flashy object and hate the thing that builds power. You know, it's boring. Mm. Working on a school board race in many ways, especially if it's not your school board race, is boring. And that's okay. It should be boring because the things that school boards should be tackling are things like facilities funding and teacher pay. And are we putting new grass in the football field? And how is the library like resource? That's boring. It's important. It's boring. (laughs) 
Most people mm-hmm. do not get excited about that. They do not get excited to fund it. They do not get excited to work on it. It doesn't get you invited to cocktail parties. Engaging on a school board race doesn't make you become ambassador to some foreign country where you get to throw you know, a really good time for your friends. It doesn't get you a good photo to put on your wall. It is so critical to building power. And this is why Run for Something writ large for now almost seven years has exclusively worked on local races, down ballot elections, state yeah. house, state city council, library board, school board, coroner, the half a million elected offices that most places don't even engage with and most Democrats don't even engage with. Because we know that if you want to win sustainable power, if you want to win power that makes a difference in people's lives and helps you politically, the way to win big elections is to win lots and lots of small ones. So that's what we're going to try and do. Do you think that people understand that now? Do you think that what we have lived through, particularly under the last you know seven years, like I'm assuming that your organization got jump started right at the time that the Trump administration came into power? You know, the 2016 election was the most, at that time, the most consequential election we had ever faced in this country. And I'm sure like me, you also were just like, oh, my God, how, mm-hmm. how did America just fail us in this like in this moment? How do you think that the last seven years have awakened people to their own personal power that they have inside of their communities? Yeah, I think we've come a long way as a party for Democrats specifically focusing on the kinds of local elections that, that can win and make a difference. But I think the thing that gives me a lot of hope is that over the last seven years, 140,000 young people all across the country have raised their hands and said, I want to run for office. What's next? They have looked around at their community and seen that there is an opportunity to make a difference on an issue they care about and then put their name in to, to maybe do something about it, or at least think about maybe doing something about it. Now, when we started Run for Something on Trump's inauguration day, when we launched that morning, people told us we were bananas. They were like, yeah, mm-hmm. nobody wants to run for office. Candidate recruitment's really hard, especially local. Like, You'll be lucky if you get 100 people in the first year. We had 1,000 people sign up in that first week. That we're up to over 100 or just about 140,000 now is indicative of a sea change in what it means to be an engaged citizen. That's really, really nice. You know, I wouldn't trade it, but... For, for the Trump presidency, but it's really nice. No, and I think that it's important and it does signal a sea change, right? Again, recognizing, I think everyone on that morning, on his inauguration, when he gave that horrible address to the American public that people were just like, how did we get here? And what have I been doing? Because we're coming off the Obama high, <laughs> thinking that patting ourselves on the back that we had done it. Like we, we, we made history so we can go off and worry about something else because, you know, the country is running just fine. And then lo and behold, it wasn't. And so, you know, I know that you just mentioned that you became a parent and congrats to you. What do you say to people who don't again, who don't have kids, what do you say to them about why this is so important? I just want you to drill it home one more time. Quality of our schools is understood as a shorthand for the quality of a community. Like you think about what makes a good or bad place to live. It's how good those schools are. Now, often that's also a shorthand for like property taxes and racial dynamics, which is its own fucked up lens of understanding a good or bad place to live. But if you care about where you are, whether or not you're a parent, especially if you're not a parent, you have maybe the time or the flexibility 
or the ability to show up at that school board meeting on Tuesday nights after bedtime. You have the ability to bring a lens that is often maybe even a little less emotional and a little more pragmatic to these races. And if you, again, if you are not batshit crazy, you are stepping up into a race where the opponent probably is because wow do the republicans invest in these elections they are recruiting candidates they are supporting them they are pushing them to ban books to keep queer kids out of school to make it impossible to read books by and about people of color they are making it hostile environments for anyone that isn't the white often male kid that's dangerous for the kind of people that i know that we care about So whether or not you're a parent, you need to think about running for a school board. Your community needs you. Run for something will help you. 75% of school board races cost $1,000 or less. 85% cost $5,000 or less. These are accessible races. Often the number of voters you need to talk to is in the hundreds. Maybe it's in the thousands, but often it's in the hundreds. Like You can do this. You can absolutely do this and you can serve. And when you do it, you won't be alone. Amazing. And just tell people where they can get more information. Yes, yes, yes. Please find us at runforsomething.net. We are Run For Something or Run For Something Now on any various social media platforms. And I'm Amanda L-I-T-M or Amanda Lippman all over the internet. Amazing. Amanda, thank you so much for the work that you are doing with Run For Something. Thank you so much for recognizing the gap, the hole in getting people to run for school boards and local offices. I can't appreciate you enough. And folks, go run and (laughs) check out this site and find a way to get involved. Really appreciate you, Amanda. Thank you for having me. Hope you enjoy checking out this episode of The New Abnormal. We're back every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend and keep the conversation going. This podcast is a Daily Beast production with production by Jesse Cannon and Seamus. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.